Mark chapter 5 tonight. Uh, I think that ties, that song ties right in uh, as we segue into this message tonight. Uh, might be a little bit different, um, kind of how I laid it out. I don't have, you know, three points and three subpoints or anything like that. We're kind of Kind of expository through Mark chapter 5 here. I kind of did a short piece uh, um, during paintball, the the first paintball this year. It was a short devotional, and I thought, man, I'm going to expand that out a little bit. And that's what this is tonight. So those that were at paintball, you can't go to sleep. You don't have an excuse. You still get to listen. Um, But uh, we're going to go ahead and... um, Oh, before I start... um, John texted me uh, just a bit and said that Brother Thar has COVID, so if you would, just uh, remember him in prayer. So that's a, that's a big deal uh, for Brother Farr. Um, so, all right, let's go to uh, Mark chapter 5. We're going to read the whole chapter, and I, I shouldn't be long, even though we're going to read this whole thing, but uh, we'll see. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met with him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with, to- with stones. And he w- when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and, cr- and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were there, and now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about two thousand, and were choked into the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship that he had... He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and, he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. And when Jesus was passed over again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman who had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of the physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing 
bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see, see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeketh the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when they had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kumumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that everything should be given to her, giving her to eat. And something should be given her to eat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. I thank you that, uh, Lord, for uh, Lord, the ability to be able to preach your word. And I just pray, Lord God, that, uh, Lord, that nothing will be said, Lord, that is not pleasing to you, Lord, nothing that's not right. And Lord, I just want you to get honor and glory in all that's said and done here tonight. Lord, I just pray that my thoughts are clear, uh, my speech is clear, and Lord, that uh, Lord that this would be a help for uh, those that are here tonight. Lord, I just uh, want to lift up Brother Far to you. I just pray that you just touch his body, uh, Lord, with COVID. Uh, just strengthen him. I just pray that this is a very minor case, and Lord... Uh, as uh, he's immune and compromised, Lord, I just pray that uh, there be no difficulties with that. Lord, we love you and we give you the honor and praise and all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I usually don't drink water up here, but after doing all that reading, I need a little bit of water. I, mean, I should be like Sean. He Usually when he did Sunday school, he read an entire chapter. I mean, usually I'm up here interpreting for other deaf, and I'm signing the entire chapter. So I dislike him more than you there, Mitch. At times, but um, anyway, so before we get into chapter five, I'm thinking, you know, these kids with this song. So just prior to this, you know, Jesus said, just told the disciples to get in the boat. They're on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible doesn't make it clear why he wants to go across. It could just be for rest, maybe you know, with the pressing of the people. Jesus needs to get away for a little bit. Maybe, and I, I think this might be it, is maybe to dis, dis, demonstrate, to see if I can talk clearly, uh, maybe more of his power to the disciples, to show them something. Um, 
We see that the boat is rocked by a storm here. While Jesus is fast asleep, uh, the disciples are fearful of the storm and come to Jesus questioning whether he cared for them. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Uh, you know, the kids are just up here singing the song uh, that they shouldn't, you know, that we won't, don't need to fear. Uh, Jesus rebuked the wind with three simple words. Peace, be still. And then he rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. Um, now their fear was no longer directed towards the storm. Now their fear is directed to God. What did God just do? The power that he just showed. Um, and what does it say in uh, verse 41? And they feared exceedingly, this is chapter 4, verse 41, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? So they just go across the sea. This happens. He's showing them his power, right? Um, and we get to see very quickly uh, three more times that he's going to demonstrate his power. Um, you know, from, from demons, from a disease, despair, and death. Very quickly we're going to see these things. And if you look at Matthew, you see a little bit more uh, details on some of this. Uh, there's a man of palsy that was healed, it seems, after they got back. Um, but Mitch and I were just talking about the timeline of things and uh, how they may not necessarily put things how we would think would fit in timeline. But anyway, let's, let's jump right into that. So in verse 1, you know, Jesus comes to the other side of a uh, gathering. And there's, there's different thoughts. Is this Gentile land? Is this Jewish land? I've heard both opinions on this. Um, I think Pastor mentioned when we did the expository through Matthew that... Uh, because it doesn't say it's Gentiles, it very likely could be Jews. Um, and I've, and I, I've heard that too. So, you know, it's neither here nor there whether this is Gentiles or this is Jewish people or Jewish area. Um, but, you know, Jesus knew there's people there that needed him, right? And that's what Jesus is here for. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus went over there to demonstrate his power, and also to be a help. So we get into verses 2 through 5. You know, Matthew tells us that there were two that was possessed of the devils. Um, Mark and Luke tells us that there's only one. It's not a contradiction. If, you know, example, if I'm out somewhere and I see Josiah, a co-worker somewhere, you know, one of his co-workers together, and I come home and say, oh, I saw starting Josiah today. It doesn't mean that there wasn't another person there. Josiah was the main focus, right? Um, obviously, with the man possessed of the devils, one was the main focus, and that's the one we're focusing on ourselves here in Mark. Mark focused in on Luke did as well. So there's no contradiction. Um, so this man was the worst of the worst, if you look at the description of him. And Jesus came to him, Right? Um, just like Jesus comes to us. And in this man, we see Mark's account, a perfect picture, I believe, of sin and, and of the world. Um, I thank God that he has compassion on us and is willing, was willing to come to this earth for us to save us from our sins. So we see this man's condition. It describes him as wild, right? He couldn't be bound. Uh, the, the chains and fetters would be broken. Uh, so no man could tame him. So he's untamed. He's wild. Um, he's evil, uh, I believe, He's made some marks of demon possession, um, cutting himself. He's hanging out in the tombs, right? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know who would want to hang out in the tombs, but uh, here he's cutting on himself and he's hanging out there. 
He's got no peace. He's crying out. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't make it clear of whether it's the demons that are crying and howling and trying to scare people uh, or if it's himself. He's crying out, you know, because he, he has no peace. I, I kind of tend to lean towards that way. Um, and he had no power of himself. He is being compo- completely controlled by legion, here, these demons. Um, what an, uh, what an example, example of... Uh, uh, depravity uh, that's on this man's life right now. And just like our world, in sin, you know, man has his methods. Man tried to tame this guy. He tried to put him in chains, tried to put him in fetters. And man has their methods to try and conquer and cure all of these problems that are plaguing humanity. But the problem with their efforts is they're trying to fix the symptoms and not the cause of the problem. Right? Um, And that's exactly what's going on with this man. You know, sin will destroy you. Just look at his, this man's condition. He's wild, evil, no peace, no hope. Surely he had friends and family. His condition kept him away from that. His sin destroyed, or sin does destroy our relationships. Destroys our relationships with our family. Destroys our relationships uh, with others. Um, it could impact so greatly that job is impacted, depending on what the sin is. Um, but sin definitely does, will destroy you, um, and it will do it for us just like it was doing in this man's life. Um, sin will blind you. You don't even realize what you've done. Uh, this man was cutting himself, you know, maybe not even aware that the demons are cutting on him. Um, he's destroying his own body, and not even aware of it. You know, you'll be blinded by your own sin as well. Very easily. Uh, you know, you might get, have, have an addiction, right? Alcohol, drugs and alcohol, all right? You may think, it's just, just one drink. Oh, it's just two drinks. It's just a little bit. I had a cousin of mine that, I'm not even sure how old she would be. Probably in her 40s. Yeah, in her 40s died of, killed her liver, drinking. Didn't know what she was doing to her body. Completely killed her. Um, so, you know, you're going to be blinded by the effects. You know, hey, I'm just having a good time. But, you know, that sin's just going to continue growing. You know, you're going to destroy your mind by what you watch, what you look on the internet, by what you hear, what you set before you, right? Um, and it's just going to get worse and worse. You know, he's like, ah, so just a little bit. It's, it's not that bad, you know. Um, I, th- I, I think of an example of me growing up. You know, Pastor and I had some similar, some similar things in our life. You know, his dad was a rock DJ, and, you know, I'm from Detroit. I mean, it's Motown, it's Detroit Rock City, it's, you know, music was a big thing where I grew up. And, but I knew there's certain bands I won't listen to. You know, they're just, they're way out there. They're very evil. But I found myself, as I listened to certain things growing up as a teenager, I can start tolerating a little bit more, right? And just like sin in our life, we tolerate just a little bit, it's just going to be a little bit more. It's going to be a little bit more. It's going to be a little bit more. And we're going to look back one day, it's like, how did I get here? We were blinded by our actions. And sin will do that to us. It will destroy us. You know, it's going to take you further than you ever expected to be. You're just going to sit there and play with it. And you're going to, like I said, you're going to look back and it's like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe this happened. So, 
it's funny, Mitchell, let's turn to 1 Samuel. Mitchell was there this morning. You know, we need to turn away from that sin. And we're going to read these verses again. He read them this morning. 1 Samuel 12. Uh, if I can get there, one page at a time. 1 Samuel 12. Uh, verse 20, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. Let's jump down to verse 24. This is my life verse. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. Verse 25, but if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. You know, he wants us to turn away from sin. Get away from it. Remember what God's done for us. If you're here, you're a Christian tonight. Remember what God's done for you. He saved you from that muck and mire. Why are we waddling back in it? Why are we trying to get back into it? Let's turn away. You know, I think it's interesting there in verse 25, because if you don't, your weaknesses, it's going to consume you and your king. It doesn't just impact you. It impacts others when you sin. Right? Your relationships, it's going to be ruined because of, uh, because of your sin. All right, so we get back into our story here. Right? So Jesus, again, shows his power. Verse 8. I'm going to turn back to Mark. I'm there. Um, I believe, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I, I can just imagine. Everybody's afraid of this maniac that's there, these guys that were possessed with the devils. Um, so I, I can just imagine the disciples are there, probably a little little fear fear in them, right? A little fearful, a little uneasy. You know, the Bible doesn't mention that. Jesus just finished showing him his power over nature when he calmed the storm. Now he just showed his power uh, over the spirit realm by casting out these demons. So come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Just a few simple words. You know, you may be here today with some personal demons, some inner demons that impact in your life. Uh, you know, Jesus has that answer for you. All right? Um, all we have to do is come to him. And that's, and that's the title of my message tonight. You know, essentially three people the world could not help. The world could not help this man. Um, this man possessed of the devil. They tried. They tried to bound, bind him, right? Didn't work. Jesus could. Just a few simple words. What, six words? All right? Seven, seven words. Um, so Jesus has that answer for, for them. So verse 9, we see the, uh, the name of these unclean spirits here, legion. Now a Roman legion varied depending on the time span. It could have been up to 6,000. I think roughly around this time from the research I did, about 5,200 infantry, 300 auxiliary uh, folks or troops, if you would, uh, that would make this up. Regardless, thousands. So this, this demon, instead it was many, it's legion, this man's possessed by thousands of demons. Rattles the mind that that could be. Now, legion asked the Lord, you know, it wasn't their time. It's almost kind of like they're rebuking the Lord. Hey, it's not our time. You can't do this. Um, but they asked to be sent off into these pigs. There's 2,000 pigs over being kept on the hillside. Um, 
and, and I suppose this event, you know, this is just me. I shared this out at camp as well. I shared this with Pastor just before uh, I did the devotion out there, as a matter of fact, because I came across this. You know, I suppose this event of casting out the, the demons to the swine was just another lesson for these uh, disciples. This is just me. This is my belief. You know, it's early in Jesus' ministry. They believed believe the Messiah would be coming to re- set up his kingdom, free them from bondage from Rome or whatever, right? Um, they, didn't, they didn't fully understand, even up until the cross, that Christ was dying for us. That was his goal. The kingdom would be coming later. During this time, the 10th Roman legion was in this area, right? They had a particular symbol on their standard. You know what that symbol was? A hog. find it very interesting that the 10th Roman Legion is in this area. They have one of the symbols, and I guess they used multiple symbols depending on if they were on boats or wherever they happened to be going or doing. Um, but this, in this case, they could have been very likely have a hog. And here's Legion being cast into these pigs. Right? And then these pigs run off the hillside into the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you know, we were, Starla and I were there, and this, when I read this stuff, it just comes to my mind. We didn't, he just pointed off, that's roughly the area that would have happened. So, so that brings a whole, whole new light to, you know, when I read the Bible now. But I can just imagine, you know, Jesus kind of just showing them, I can get rid of Rome. I can get rid of this Roman legion with just seven words. Right? Actually, not even that, because he cast them out, and I think he said, Go. Right? One word. I think when they said they wanted to go into the swine, uh, let me look. I don't, want, I don't want to misquote, but I think, maybe it doesn't even say here. I think he just gave them leave. Um, but regardless, I'm not going to, just for sake of time, I'm not going to try and look that up. But, you know, I, I, I really think that might have been a lesson. That's just me. I thought it was kind of interesting, kind of neat. Sometimes you, you learn new things. Brother Butler and I think Brother Paul and I were just talking about church and uh, before before church, talking about something, and he's like, you know, I was going to dig into this, but I didn't have time. Uh, it's kind of neat when you're studying and reading and researching, and God gives you a little something. It's like, I never thought of that. So it's really kind of neat. Um, so anyway, neither here nor there. That's just what I kind of believe. I think the Lord was just showing them. I think he definitely did do this for the, the power, right? To show that, hey, I've got power not only over nature, I have power over uh, demons, over the spiritual realm. All right, back into the story, verses 14 through 15. So these people that were tending to the swine, you know, they went and told the city of what had happened, and the multitude came out. They saw the man sitting in his right mind, clothed, and they were afraid. I believe they were afraid of God's power at this point. Right? They saw what happened. like, wow, we couldn't control this guy. God did. God's power, again, was being demonstrated. They were afraid of God's power. And then they were told what happened with the swine, right? And their attitude completely changes. Um, I'm sure they were angry by what happened. This is their livelihood. They got all these swine, 2,000 swine there. Um, And if these were Jews, no doubt now they're fearful of chastisement, right? What are these Jews doing with these? What are we doing with 2,000 pigs? Uh, This... This is God, right? The guy has power. What, what are we doing? 
So no doubt, I think their fear changed if it was uh, Jews that were here. I don't know that. Could have just been Gentiles. But regardless, their attitude changed. They wanted Jesus gone. Get out of here. Um, how do we respond when we're rebuked of our sin? Do we push God's Holy Spirit away? Yeah, just get out of here. I want to I do what I want to do. Or do we seek mercy and forgiveness? Isaiah 55, 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. So what's our response to that? Hopefully, we're seeking God's face, crying out for mercy. So anyway, this man's freed of the demons. He wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus tells him no. And this is kind of why I think maybe it could be Gentile. Because Jesus actually tells him to go and tell your family, tell others what happened to you. Usually Jesus tells people not to tell people, right? He's, he's, his time's not here yet. So I kind of lean that way. So I don't know. I'm confused. Is it Jews or Gentiles? I don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody is concrete on either. The Bible is not clear. But he goes and he tells, and all men did marvel. They, no doubt they saw him. Wow, you're not bound, you're not naked, you're not, you know, you're not wild, a wild man now, untamed, right? Not crying, not cutting on yourself. So they can see on the outward something changed. But not only that, he's telling them what happened. You know, and that's exactly our responsibility, right? He becomes this missionary and that's what we need to do. You know, yeah, it's great that we can look good on the outside, to our co-workers and others around us, but are we telling them, right? We need to tell them as well as show them by our actions. Uh, a lot of people, well, my actions show. Well, no, you need to tell them as well. Uh, we have that responsibility. First uh, Corinthians 9.16, Paul speaking, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing of glory of, you know, whether it's for money or not, you know, whether he's being paid, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me, if I preach not the gospel. So if we don't do our duty, woe unto us. You know, we have organized soul winning at 11 o'clock. I, I understand not everybody can make it. You know, some live out in the valley. It's hard to drive all the way in just for an hour or so of soul winning. Uh, you have opportunities as you run into people day, day to day, at work, gas station, wherever it be. You know, be a witness, be a soul winner. Uh, Whatever, whenever, whatever opportunity God gives you, and seek those opportunities. Ask Him, hey Lord, put somebody in front of me today. I need to see it. You know, I, I need to, I need to share Your Word with somebody, and He'll, He'll definitely do it. So woe unto us if we're not sharing the gospel. So anyway, verse twenty-one, and the Jesus and disciples they're traveling back to the other side, and immediately there's a gathering of people. Um, the accounts in Luke and Mark seem to indicate that. Jairus then comes to him right then. If you read Matthew, um, as I alluded to earlier, he's healed one of the palsy. The Pharisees are there. And I think that's important because the Pharisees and the scribes are there. They're kind of uh, scorning him or questioning Jesus. Why is, this, why is he sitting with sinners? Um, I think that's important because Jairus now, a ruler of the synagogue, falls at Jesus' feet. He's a man that's desperate. He doesn't care that the Pharisees are there. He doesn't care that the scribes are there. Right? So this, no doubt, Jairus, 
a ruler of the synagogue, is uh, this is a man of high station. He could have been a Pharisee himself. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. Um, obviously, he's got some standing. No doubt he's talked with the Pharisees there at the synagogue and, and other places. Uh, no doubt he, they know who Jesus is. If this is back in Capernaum, that's where Jesus based his ministry out of. Um, he didn't care. He was desperate in this situation, right? His little girl is dying. Um, and I thank, I thank the Lord for uh, his compassion, Jesus' compassion. He immediately gets up and goes, right? Uh, we've seen Jesus wait and have, you know, for Lazarus, he waited. You know, it wasn't time for him to go yet, but he immediately gets up and goes for Jairus here. Um, and along the way, they have an interruption. While traveling to Jairus' house, um, they're interrupted by another desperate person, a person that's in, in desperate need as well. Um, and Pastor, I think actually when he went through uh, Matthew, he had a message on desperation on this one in this area. Um, you know, we, we see this woman that had this issue of blood for 12 years. I find it interesting also, this is one of those things, Mitch, that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old and she's suffering, been suffering for 12 years old, or for 12 years. Um, don't know if there's anything there, but it's just, I just find it interesting. There's the there's same number. Um, but she knows, she has the faith that if I just touch his garment, I don't even have to talk to him, I just touch his garment, I can be healed. And that's exactly what she does. She, you know, she's suffering with this thing for 12 years. She would be, if you look at Levitical law, she would be under the same restrictions that or very, very close to them. I don't know if they're all the exact, as someone who's a leper, right? She has to announce that she's unclean. If she touches something, she has to, that, that item that she touched becomes unclean. If she lies down somewhere, that item becomes unclean. She cannot be with her family. She's separated. Imagine you being in a situation like that for 12 years. She's desperate. She's desperate. So she has this disease, and she goes up, and she knows that if I just get up there and just touch the hem of his garment, that I'll be healed. You know, and it's interesting, Jesus immediately knew, oh, my virtue's gone. And I, I don't believe, Jesus knew, he's omniscient. He knew who it was, right? For our sake, for the sake of the people there, he said, who touched me? Right? That was to get everybody else's attention of something that's getting ready to happen. So he paused, again, showing his compassion so that he can spend time with this woman. And disciples are like, all these people around you ask who touched me? Really? And then the Bible tells us that he's looking about. I don't think he's like looking, where, who was that? Who was, could have been the one that touched me? I believe it was probably him just looking straight for her, probably getting around the other heads that might have been there. Ah, there she is. And he make an eye contact with her. Get her attention. Um, he knew exactly who it was. And for, for their sake, he was demonstrating his power. Um, so she comes up, she falls before him. There again, we've seen three now that fell. We see the man possessed of demons came before Jesus and fell at his feet in worship. Jairus, a ruler, a man of some standing, came and fell at his feet. And we see this woman came and fell at his feet. So, you know, Jesus 
Because of her faith, Christ tells her that her faith had made her whole and to go in peace. So she came in desperation, left in peace. She came with a disease and left healed. So while Jesus is there speaking to her, to this woman, somebody from Jairus' house arrives with devastating news. The daughter has now passed. She's gone. And no doubt, Jesus sensing him, sensing what he feels, the emotions that are coming over him, said, be not afraid, only believe. The faith that you needed, or the faith that you had to come to me and ask my help is the same faith you still need. Only believe. Right? So, Lord's here encouraging him. Be not afraid, only believe. Have faith. So this is the faith that we need in our lives. During good times, during the hard times. During calm, during the storms. During times of hopelessness, and during times of desperation. We need to have that faith. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8-9. through We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Scripture song, I was, I was kind of almost hoping we'd sing it this morning. Psalm 43, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. You know, we heard a message on Job this morning. Right? Tragedy that came in his life. He still trusted in God. Exactly. When those trials, those storms come in our life, we need to have that faith in God, that hope in God. You know, it's easy when it's, everything's going good. Hard. Very hard. When life is hard. We've got problems. We've got work problems. We've got family problems. We have health problems. My shoulder's killing me. Uh, just hope in God. You know, this all is going to pass. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So God's there waiting to help us, right? We just need to come to him by faith. He has time for us. He had time for Jairus. He had time for this. He had time for the man that was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. That's the only thing that we know from the Bible he did. He went over there to heal this man and came back. Right? I, I think other things were accomplished, him showing his power to the disciples, but that's what he went there for. You know, He's not too busy for you. I'm thankful that I can go to him at any time. I don't have to go see a priest. I don't have to go see somebody else to help me pray. Wherever I am, I can bow down and ask for help. You know, we were standing at the welling wall in Israel, and, you know, all the people up there praying, putting notes in, a lot of other people, non-Jewish people doing it. I've talked to other people, oh yeah, I prayed for our entire church, I put all their names in the wall. I'm like, I'll find out how pastor feels about it when he goes, you know, or anybody else goes, but I'm like, why? I don't have to go up to the wall closest to the Holy of Holies. I can go right here right now, I can enter the Holy of Holies. I can pray to God. Um, yeah, it's neat to see these locations, but I don't have to be there. Um, so he's waiting to hear from us. You know, Jesus arrives and asks these folks here, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, she but sleepeth. 
You know, and they mock, they scorn. What are you talking about? Of course she's dead. Well, he knew she's dead. But I think he was just trying to explain to him, it's temporary, it's short. It's just like she's asleep. He kicks them all out, takes the family, takes the disciples that he brought with him, and goes in there and raises this young lady. You know, Jesus showed power over the wind and sea. He showed power over the spiritual realm. He showed it over disease, and now he shows his power over death. Very quickly, in a short matter of time, he showed his power over all these things. So, for us, these are three individuals the world could not help. The, the doc, I, I think it's interesting, too, that Mark says for this lady that had disease that the, she suffered many things of the physicians. Luke has a different take on it. You know, Luke's being a physician. He, you know, but she, wasted, she lost all her money trying to heal herself of this disease. I didn't bring that out. But the man that possessed of the devil, the world couldn't help him. The world couldn't help this lady suffering with disease. And the world's not going to help you when you're dead. Right? They, they don't have that power. Only God has that power to raise uh, from the dead. So we see these three examples. You know, and and I, I mentioned earlier that all three of these individuals, the man possessed, Jairus and this woman, they all fell at Jesus' feet and worshipped. We need to humble ourselves and bring ourselves to the same level at the feet of Jesus uh, as these three. Um, no matter our station in life, we're all equal. And with that, recognizing that you know we're no better than anybody else, the Bible calls us a fool if we compare ourselves among ourselves. It says we're not wise. Um, how about having a little bit of respect for others, right? Which no prejudices, no grudges. Someone did me wrong. I'm not going to talk to them. Well, you know, let's not hold any grudges towards. It. We're we're all sinners. Um, so let's all humble ourselves before Christ, show compassion on others like he shows on us, um, and we all need to come to him, ready to worship him, ready to humble ourselves to him, ready to honor him, and recognize he is our Savior. If you're saved here today, he is your Savior. Right? Um, so we, we need to come seeking only what he can provide. And in this account we see you know, he healed of demons, of disease, and of death. He provided hope and despair, and the world cannot do any of this. They may have their psychiatrists, they may have their, uh, their methods, um, they may have their programs. Um, ultimately, they cannot heal in these areas. Ultimately, they're going to fail. You know, and there's something else that the world cannot provide, that only Jesus can provide. A home for you when you die. Where are you going to go? You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You're going to face God for what you've done. The Bible tells us that he's going to use his word. Romans tells us that he's going to use his word to judge us. And in Revelation 20 and 21, and it tells us that if we're found guilty, we're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And every single one of us would be found guilty. Absolutely. But you know what? Christ made a way. The person we were talking about tonight, 
Jesus himself. He came here, born, lived on this earth, a perfect life. And he made a way for us. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21 For he hath made him, God the Father, made him to be sin for us. God the Father made Jesus Christ to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. He was perfect. Knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What's that saying? Many of us have heard it many times. Right? All of Jesus' righteousness and all of our sin, Pastor uses the illustration of two pieces of paper and swapping those names. This is exactly what it means. We took all of Christ's righteousness. He took all of our sin. He took all of our sin and died on that cross for us. You know what? Three days later, he rose from the grave. Because he is God, he can do that. We go there, we're not getting out out of our own. So what does it take? I think a perfect example, Pastor uses this example as well, of the men on the cross with Jesus when he was hanging there. Right? One, one thief looked over at Jesus and said, If thou be the Christ, get us down from here. Wanted to be saved from his condition, his situation, what was going on. Not salvation. He wasn't looking for salvation like we would think of salvation. The other thief, and we, as far as we know, Jesus never acknowledges him. This other thief pretty much tells him, you be quiet. We deserve to be here. He acknowledged his sin. He knew what was happening to him. And he turns to Jesus, remember me when thou enter thy kingdom. He acknowledged who, who he was, what he had done. He acknowledged he needed to be, he was responsible for himself. He's on the cross legitimately. And he seeked God. Repentance and faith. That's all it took. Right? Jesus turned to him and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Hey, got to get down. Got to get off that cross. Got to go to church. Got to start attending church. Oh, I got to start doing good things. I got to start giving to charity. Right? Start passing out tracts. Oh, I haven't gotten baptized. Need to get baptized. None of that happened. It's not a works based. We can't earn it. Christ did it. All we have to do is just repent of our sin and put our faith on Him. That is the most important thing that the world cannot do that Christ can do. And if you're here tonight, seriously consider that. Every head bowed, every eye, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to a time of invitation. You know, if you're here tonight and you don't know that if you were to die... Well, you're going to die. If you don't know where you would go when you died, I want to pray for you. It's a serious situation. We got some workers up here. But most of all, I just want, I'll just pray for you. If there's anybody here like that, say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen when we die, when I die. Can you acknowledge that just by slipping up your hand? I'll just pray for you. I see some little kids. That's all I'm seeing. All right. Christian, are you playing in your sin? You know it's going to take you further than you wanted to go. Leave it alone. Leave it aside. It's going to destroy your, destroy your life and destroy your relationship with others. 
Do you have despair in your life? Do you got those personal demons, those inner demons that you're struggling with? You know, we can go to somebody who can take care of those for us. The world's not going to help. They may, you know, kind of brush it off a little bit, but ultimately, Christ is the only answer. Why don't you come to him tonight? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. And I just pray that you get your will and way uh, in, in this invitation. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen. So I'll stand, page 260. What a friend we have in Jesus.